Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, we thank you for this privilege to stand before your presence. Eternal King of glory, we pray that you direct the thoughts of our hearts. You direct the sharing of your word that we intend this morning. Speak to us, O Lord, in the language that we understand. Teach us too to be not only hearers of your word, but doers as well to your honor and glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May I humbly appreciate our daddy in the Lord, our archdeacon, the venerable professor, Samike, and the other chaplains for this privilege given to us to stand here in our presence to share the word with us. We appreciate it with a deep sense of responsibility and we take it serious. In fact, as we prepare, when such assignments are given to us, it's like a retreat period for us. A time of deep introspection to us to check our lives because as the Bible says, he who thinks is standard should beware lest he falls. So, sir, we appreciate this privilege. Today, we shall look at the topic, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. It is taken from the 10th verse, 10th to the 12th verses actually, of the second chapter of the book of Isaiah, where we read the lesson. Isaiah chapter 2 from verse 10 and I will read enter into the rock and hold thee and hold thee in the, in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty the lofty looks of man shall be humbled and the, the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Praise the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord, what really does it portray to us? The day of the Lord, many associate with the day within a period of time, or a special day that will occur when God's will and purpose for his world and for mankind will be fulfilled. Let us believe that the day of the Lord 
will be a longer period of time than a single day. A period of time when Christ will reign throughout the world before he cleanses heaven and earth in preparation for the eternal state of all mankind. We can also say the day of the Lord will be an instantaneous event when Christ returns to earth to redeem its faithful believers and send unbelievers to eternal damnation. The judgment day. The day of the Lord is a period of time in which God will deal with wicked men and women directly and drastically in faithful judgment. And so we see the blasphemous people, people who blaspheme the, Lord, the name of the Lord, or people who say God does not exist, God, they are atheists, as it were. And it appears that when you look at those people, that no consequence follows. Some are allowed, and they continue. In fact, there was a post in the social media of a certain professor who was congratulating some young people on uh, a certain attainment, certain achievements. And those young people were attributing that to God the Almighty. And the professor turned to them and said, which God? They said, I God in heaven. He said, which heaven? Can you see God? They said, no. Can you touch God? They said, no. Then the professor told them, a God does not exist. And they shouldn't be saying God exists. So the little boy, I think the youngest among them, now asked the professor, how do you know, sir, that God does not exist? He said, in common sense, as the science tells me, that science tells him that what cannot be touched and what cannot be seen does not, as it were, exist. So the children asked him, how do you know? He said, common sense will tell you that God doesn't exist. And they asked him, can you see your common sense? He said, no. Can you touch your common sense? He said, no. He said, then sense does not exist. Because according to them, what you cannot see or you cannot touch does not exist. And really made an impact on me. Because where we have read tends to concentrate on the high and the mighty. People who have made attainments and perhaps they think that it is by their own strength, that it is by their own labor that they have attained the heights that they have attained. And because of that, the position of God does not exist in their lives. Well, the, the day designated in the scriptures as the day of the Lord is coming, when God will punish human sin and deal in wrath and in judgment with a Christ-rejecting world. And one thing standard show, that God, is his, in his own way, will bring every soul into judgment. Now, this day 
how do we conceive it? Is it a one-off event of just maybe from morning till evening, sunset, a 24-hour thing? Or when we talk of day, is it a period of time that we look at? As for instance, when some of us who are old and older will say the day of our youth. Does it mean that it is just one day that we were young people? Or we speak of a period of time in our lives when we were young. And so this topic tends to prepare our mind for not just a one-off event, but a living event. Because the day of the Lord, the day Christ will come, is hidden from us. Nobody can say it is now that it's coming. It is in the next hour. And so, as the Boy Scouts would say, when we were scouts, be prepared. Be prepared all the time. Because the consequence of the day of the Lord, if we let ourselves off guard, may be great. Let us look at Isaiah 13. Let's look at verse 9. You can quickly look at it with me. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. Cruel, both with wrath and fierce and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the consternations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in, in its going forth. And the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. So this spectacle, this picture is painted in several scriptures. If you go to Zephaniah 1, 34 to 36, it's also to the same effect. Even Isaiah, where we have read, if you look at verse 6, it also says, Well, for the day of the Lord is near, as destruction from the Almighty, it will come. Ezekiel 30, verse 3, is also to the same effect about the day of the Lord. For the day is near, the day of the Lord is near. It will be a day of clouds, a time down for the nations. The impression we get is that this day of the Lord comes with a lot of expectations, and particularly a day that the Lord will visit proud, the haughty, the sinners, the evil doers, the Christ-rejecting world, as it were. 
So it follows that there will be a great and drastic judgment manifest in the physical world which will interfere with the light of the sun, the moon, and the stars. God will put down the proud and deal with the sinners. It is a time of judgment. I remember in those days when we were growing up, the, I think the music of the voice of the cross was capturing that. If you listen to that music and the paintings of what will happen on that day, it gives us real cause for deep introspection and circumspect. So the day of the Lord, according to Old Test- various passages in Old Testament scriptures, is a time of God's judgment and time of God's dealing with the world in its sins. But it's not all gloom. It's also, the day of the Lord is also a time of deliverance, a time of blessings for Israel. The millennium, the whole kingdom reign of Christ on earth. When we look at Zephaniah 3, 14 to 15. So there is hope. There is also hope of salvation for the remnants of Israel. It is recorded if we see Romans eleven twenty six. So there is also hope for us. As we stay on to await the day of the Lord. Now, what relationship has the coming of Christ to the day of the Lord? What is uh, really the relationship that is? The fourth chapter of the first epistle of Paul to the Thessalonians captures the truth concerning the coming of Christ for his church. It is revealed therein. But when we go further to chapter 5, particularly verses 1 to 3, I, I think we can read it. First Thessalonians 5, 1 to 3. Somebody can help to read if a person finds But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. The passage is telling us, as Apostle Paul wrote today, Thessalonian Christians that they need not be specificity of time because no one knows it is a time that comes as a thief at night 
In other words, the time of the coming of the Lord is not certain. And so what does it call upon us to do? To continually be on the guard in our Christian living. To continually live for God in expectation of that great coming. In Mark 13 verse 33, it's also to the same effect of the uncertainty of the coming. And an urge on us to stay on and to watch and pray. It could be at a time when we tend to let down our guards. Apparently at uh, a grim and bitter moment that we are passing through. Where the vicissitudes of life can weigh people down. And perhaps push us into things that ordinarily we ought not to be contemplating. These are times that we must constantly remain watching and praying and waiting on the Lord. I'll come to a passage where St. Paul was also asking us to comfort and encourage one another. But in course of our looking at this day of the Lord, we shall come to that and perhaps look at the import as it affects our topic of today. In also New Testament scriptures, particularly when we look at Revelation chapter 6, it's also the same picture of judgments and wrath. Revelation 6, 12 to 14. Revelation 6, 12 to 14. And I behold, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell onto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And when you look at verses 16 and 17 of that same chapter of Revelation, it talks about the wicked cry. The wicked will cry out and say to the mountain and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that's seated on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come. 
and who shall be able to stand. So it is not only in the Old Testament that, that the wrath of God, the judgments and the consequences that follow is captured. In the New Testament also, we also see those scriptures. So how then do we prepare for the day of the Lord? Given all this scenario, all these consequences, how do we prepare for the day of the Lord? Since the particular day of the Lord is unknown, as we have seen in 1 Thessalonians 5, particularly verses 2 and 3, Mark 13, 33, it means that we must, as we said earlier, abide by the motto of the Boy Scouts movement. We can borrow that from them. It is be prepared at all times. Be prepared at all times. We know the popular story of the parable of the ten virgins, as recorded in Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. We have to be prepared as we await the Lord. So whoever has been prepared and perhaps at a critical moment goes out to look for kerosene or goes out to look for light or goes out for whatever reason or excuse misses the mark. So, our Christian living and expectation of the day of the Lord calls us to constant living, constant practice of Christian living as a light of the world. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons for, for prosecuting the, doctrine, the doctrine of the imminent return of Christ is that it is an impelling motive to be living for him every day. It is an imposing, impelling motive for us to live for him on a daily basis. Where we read in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, if we look at verse 6, it says, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. It is something similar to what to Mark 13, verse 33. We must always wait in expectations. Watch and pray in soberness. There is a tendency to be intoxicated not necessarily by alcohol, by the stimulants of the world, the trappings of the world, its glamour, its pleasures, and appearance. We have a certain degree of attainment. We want to go for more. We are privileged to serve as local government chairman. We want to go to the House of Reps. We are in the House of Reps. We want to go to Senate. We are senators. We want to come and serve as governors. We are serving governors. We want to retire in the Senate. And some senators, of course, want to be president. 
And after being president, what next? The concern is not even on giving service. The concern is not living for Christ to be accepted as a righteous leader. It is only guided by the human instinct or human desire for position. I want to be this. I want to acquire that. And I want to continue to be intoxicated by the glamour, the trappings, conspicuous opulence, the appearance of the world, and all that. Now, God has not appointed us. God has not appointed us to... Can we look at First Corinthians, I mean First Thessalonians five, where we are reading, particularly verses nine and ten? If somebody sees, could uh, the person help me to read? First Thessalonians five, verses nine and ten. Did not appoint us. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Praise the Lord. Thank you. So, as we said earlier, the day of the Lord that is coming is not only for wrath and for damnation. It is also giving us a hope of blessings, a hope of salvation. For we are not, as Christians, only appointed as to wrath, but also to receive salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. For us, that is a firm hope and a firm promise. And therefore, what is expected of us? To remain in our faith, in expectation of God's grace, God's salvation upon our lives. There is this passage that always interests me. In fact, from the 70s, when uh, I was a young person in the JMJMSM Evangelical uh, Interdenominational Fellowship then in Aguleri in Anambra. I was persuaded a lot by that passage. And uh, it's a popular one. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 verses 6 and 7. As we look forward to salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. Let us therefore continue to live for him and to seek the Lord while he may be found. To call upon him while he is near. I don't expect that, that there should be wicked people amongst our Christians. And even if there are wicked people, they don't exist in Enugu. And if they exist, certainly not in the Anglican Communion. And even if they exist in the Anglican Communion, not in the chapel of his resurrection. Are we right? 
Praise the Lord. But let the wicked forsake his ways. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God. For he will abandon, ab- abundantly pardon. And so as we live our Christian life. If there are ways in which we have had challenges. We have had to contend with situations that have made us compromise in one way or the other. In our places of work, in our places of business, in our places of interaction with our fellow human beings. Let us always remember the love of God which he had for us in giving us Jesus Christ, who is still available for us, even as we look forward to the day of the Lord. That love that God has for us is still there. John 3.16 That love still abounds for us. And as we sometimes read when we celebrate the Holy Communion, it reminds us that if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father. The same Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. He is the one that the Almighty God gave to us for the love of us. And he died for us for our salvation. And if we hold on to it as our belief, then we must, as apostle, enjoin the Thessalonian Christians. In verse 11 of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, he said, Comfort one another and encourage one another in faith as we look forward to the coming of Christ. Do we do this? Do we comfort one another? And do we encourage one another in faith? There was a time in this chapel when our dear mommy, Dr. Mrs. Ruby, introduced a program of visits. Visits to ourselves, to our homes, to find out how we are faring. Because certain conditions could make one quite lonely. The late bishop of uh, the Diocese of Oji River once came at our reception that we held for one of the newly appointed bishops. He encouraged us to visit our, make our time to visit our bishops. Because sometimes they can be lonely. People tend to run away from them, apparently because of the episcopal authority that they hold. So, they exposed the bishops to loneliness. And he appealed to the congregation to try to visit the bishops. So that program, I remember one evening, I was sitting in the house, and one of our sisters walked in. I was so excited to receive him, but incidentally, my wife was not in the house. So I told her to sit down. I wanted to do, you know, the usual courtesy. But she said, okay, no, that uh, she just visited, and that she has uh, 
some other places to cover to make up the number that she was expected to visit. <laughs> so I, I laughed. I said, okay, it's all right. But I was really impressed and I was happy with that visit. Do we still have that practice? Do we still encourage one another in faith? Now, how many of us have reached out to our brethren here, even in the, in the chapel? I know this, um, we live in a big man's area, and it is, uh, of course, a constitutional right to have privacy um, of, of life. So sometimes we are constrained that perhaps if we visit, it could constitute a disturbance. But the Bible enjoins us to encourage one another in faith. So it will not be out of place once in a while to look in and see your brother, your sister, encourage him. And it strengthens his faith. Our theme is go ye. So if we are going to others, what of our immediate environment of going to see how a brother or a sister is doing. Sometimes too, how do we take our brother or our sister? Sometimes we, we run without doing what God has asked us to do. In fact, when I entered to read law as a student of law, one of the first things I was taught was taken from the Bible. And that is right to fair hearing. Some of us, we hear something, we run away with it. We don't even bother to say, in love, brother, sister, is this a position? If God, who is infinitely wise and just, God, who is an all-knowing God, could still demonstrate to us in Genesis chapter 3, that there is need for fair hearing. Why don't we do that? How many of us do it? And I know that if there are people who don't give hearing to their brethren, certainly it is not in Enugu. And for sure, not in the Anglican communion. And even if it is in the Anglican communion, not in the chapel of his resurrection. Is that correct? Praise the Lord. So, my admonition to us is, don't be saved alone. Don't just be saved alone, so that on the day of the Lord, it is only you that will be righteous and rapturable. No. Reach out to others who are yet to be saved. Reach out to brethren who are apparently weighed down by the vicissitudes of life. Reach us to those who are despairing. Your reaching out to them, your visit to them, your encouragement to them could be a source of revitalization of their Christian life, of revitalization of their despairing attitude by the overwhelming visitation of the circumstance of life. So thoughts about 
the reality of the day of the Lord calls for deep introspection and sober reflection. True repentance and making our life right with God for the edifying of the holy name of God. Are we ready for the coming of the Lord? If he comes and you meet all the criteria like the administration in the chapel has made a policy. I must say that I'm one of the guilty ones though. In terms of going here to the places where we have done outreaches, I have not really participated as effectively as I would have loved to. Because sometimes, like on Saturday, on, on Sunday now, we will be doing our festival of nine lessons and carols. I have been looking up to that. And I always enjoy that because when I was at DMGS, I was saddled with that responsibility as chapel prefect. So I always look up to that with lots of feelings of nostalgia. But unfortunately, I will be missing out on that special day here in this chapel. Because, of course, we are installing the Chancellor of the Diocese of Enugu North on the same day. So sometimes this could be hindrances. But when we have the time, like for instance, mommy told us that when she teaches, she's in charge of her class and she uses it as an opportunity for reaching out. I think within the limits of our ability, we also do the same, even in the law faculty. And so no matter the circumstance, no matter where we find ourselves, we must live up to that. Do not just confine yourself to your comfort zone. Reach out to those who are looking forward to some kind of upliftment. It could be physical, it could be spiritual. But however we can, let us do that. So as we look forward to and await the day of the Lord, what is the conclusion of this whole matter? What is, what is expected of us to stand as children of God, worthy of that calling? I would like to borrow the writings of Solomon in, the, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Why it says that the conclusion of the whole matter is what? Fear the Lord. Let's read it together. Conclusion of the whole matter is fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every into judgment with every secret, whether it be good or whether it be bad. That is the conclusion of the whole matter. Are we living and guided by this? 
the opportunity of salvation is still available unto us in Christ Jesus because he died for us and for the love of us God the Almighty gave him to us. Are we ready to be guided as we expect the day of the Lord and expect to make heaven not just for all of us, for only us, but also for those through him, for those that we can say yes, there's joy in heaven that I helped to encourage this brother, to encourage this sister, to also attain that expectation that uh, all of us are supposed to be to expect the coming of Christ. Our brothers, the Roman Catholics, will say, always. And I remember when one of my father's tenants then lost his wife. This young woman was hale and hearty. On the faithful day, she went into the kitchen to prepare food, which she intended to take to a patient that was admitted in hospital at a uh, the Eastern Nigeria Medical Center. So she had prepared soup and then she peeled them, sliced them and put them in the pot and put them on fire. And uh, she just went into her room just to rest a little while. She sat down on the bed and then lay with her back side. And lo and behold, that was it for the young woman who wanted to go and visit somebody in distress. The yam continued to boil and to burn, and the smell attracted people, and they raised the alarm and called, Mommy, Mommy, your yam is, is burning, only to come into the room and find the boisterous woman stone dead. I rushed out to the hospital and was confirmed clinically dead as the medical doctors would say. So what is the challenge to us? To be prepared all the time. The Lord could come at any time. May we not be found or caught off guard. This is our hope. May God continue to bless us and to encourage us on the path of righteousness. Perhaps there are some of us or any person who wants to also make right his ways with God? If there are some of us who have also, in one way or the other, done something that they feel is not exactly up to that standard of Christian living, there is opportunity. And Christ is still available. So as we hand over the microphone to our daddy, the venerable, the opportunity is there for all of us. There was a time the great evangelist, well, so to speak, yes, great evangelist, Dr. Maui came to our diocese to do an open, you know, crusade. And he called to the altar, not just those who are giving their lives to God, but those also who have, uh, in one way or the other, um, needed the sharpening 
of the Lord in terms of their standing with God. So if we have such need, Christ is here to meet us at our point in need. So we give glory to God. May this gospel not be a testimony against us as we expect the Lord and the coming of Christ and the reign of the day of the Lord. Let us pray. Anyone who has not consciously recognized him or herself as a sinner and willingly asked Jesus to come into his life as his Lord and Savior and had the witness of the Spirit and is a child of God, is a sinner. In sin did our mother conceive us and we became born once in flesh. If you have not been born a second time in spirit, you are still in your sin. You are still in your flesh. This morning, you want to make it right with God. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter your title. It doesn't matter your privilege. Kings, titled men, chiefs. In that scripture in Revelation, we're asking the rocks, the caves, to open up. Fall on them. Hide them from the rot. This is a time of escape. This morning, if he stands at the door of your heart and not, and says, give me your heart, please answer him humbly. Answer him sincerely. Answer him. Because Jesus is ready to wipe away the handwriting against you and give you life. I want the peace. I want the forgiveness of sin. I want to be drafted as a son of God, a daughter of God. That's my desire. Please raise your hand where you are. There's nothing to be ashamed of except a life of sin and pride and haughtiness. You don't have a witness of the spirit that you already belong to him. Please raise your hand where you are. No one will be with any excuse. Please repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You love me. You died on the cross for my sins. You shed your blood for my sake. This morning, I recognize myself. I'm conscious of my life, of past sin. Today, I return and I repent. I repent from my sins, from my past life. That have not glorified you. I return to you. In weakness. In all humility. Jesus. You paid the price. For my sins. On the cross of Calvary. Please come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my savior. Give me the power. To be a child of God. Forgive me. And cleanse me. Thank you. As you answer me. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, as many as receive you, you give them the power to be your children who are born not of flesh, not of the will of man, not by the power of man, but by born by your spirit. As you make a prompting and convict the response, we ask, O oh God, that even in this your son, Old things pass away according to your word in Jesus' name. All things, mind, soul, spirit, and body become new in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, write his name in the book of life. 
And grant him the peace that passes all understanding. And grant him the joy unspeakable from the presence of the Holy Spirit. And make him live ready today, tomorrow, a changed life, transformed by your power, living ready for you and part of the glorious awaiting of our Lord's second coming. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.